Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Well, good morning, good morning. On this Ides of March. 2023. That means it's the 15th of March. If uh, the Ides of March is yeah, something you hadn't thought about in a while. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. I want to lead off with a personal question this morning. Are you afraid? Are you afraid? Why or of what or of whom? You feel like you're surrounded by things to be afraid of or people to be afraid of and feeling uh, maybe alone today. You're literally not alone in that feeling. Um, And God's people have literally been there before. Maybe you're discouraged or dismayed. Um, Fear and discouragement racked God's people. And in the days of the prophet Isaiah, God spoke words of comfort and assurance to them. And I offer them to you today uh, as a part of Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day from Isaiah 41, verse 10. The Lord is speaking here, so so hear him. I invite you to hear him. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Now, the context here uh, is the reality of exile. Things seemed hopeless to the people to whom God was speaking. No nation, I want you to hear this, no nation, no nation in all of human history had to this point ever, ever returned to their homeland after being exiled by a foreign power. It had never happened. The Israelites were in exile. And yet God promises them that not only will he deliver them, he would be with them all along the way for as long as it took. The focus here is not all the things that lead us to discouragement and fear. The focus here is on God, God's presence, God's ability to do what seems absolutely impossible to us. Throughout this portion of uh, of the book of Isaiah, there's this clear emphasis on the difference between God and all the other idols or little gods that people might adopt or create or turn to when the going gets tough. And maybe you've turned to or been tempted to turn to solutions or things or quick fixes or personalities or, um, you know, a relative fortune out of which you think you're going to alleviate your own distress, discomfort, or the challenges you face today. God actually says here, reject all that and turn to me. I'm here. I can actually rescue you. Don't be afraid, God says, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. 
I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Um, Other nations were living in fear. They were creating all kinds of idols to satiate their fear. But God says to his people, don't follow their lead. Don't do what they're doing. Instead, turn to me. I'm right here. I'm with you. Note what God does not say. God does not say there's nothing There's nothing to fear. Your fear is irrational. God doesn't say that. God knows they've got plenty of fears. Sickness, disaster, evil, violence, betrayal, war, poverty, and oh, right, they've been driven from their homes with whatever they could carry. They're living as strangers in a strange land. There's no social safety net for them. They're hated by the people in whose midst they are now just trying to survive. There's plenty to fear. But God says, don't be afraid. You're actually not alone. I'm right here with you, and I am bigger than all the problems you face. God's righteous right hand is extended. Take hold of it. Rest under it. Allow God to guide you and provide for you today in his strength. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. Pastor Daryl Crouch is back with us today. You can find him and what he's up to at everyoneswilson.org. Good morning, Daryl. Well, hey, Carmen. How are you? Um, Well, okay. See, that's one of those do you be perfectly honest questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's totally up to you. You know, we probably don't have time for complete honesty. I'm not sure. Probably not. Um, I feel um, a little bit like I'm wearing a lead hat. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and my husband says you can see it in my eyes. So there you Mm. go. That's my, uh, that's my own personal, how are you today? uh, Sense of, sense of things. It doesn't mean I've lost hope or that I'm despairing or that I don't trust God. It just means that, yeah, there's a weightiness to things and I'm feeling it. I appreciate that. I think we all um, that care uh, have that sense about us. Mm, Indeed. So um, my pastor, uh, like lots of pastors, uses um, language of rebirth and um, describes people as being reborn. We have been in First Peter, so we're talking about being reborn to a living hope. Um, And I thought, you know what, it would be good to unpack that concept with you. Um, uh, One of the things that my pastor said this past Sunday is it's not that God just makes us a slightly better version of our old self. Like he, like this is about new life actually being made new. And I thought, yeah, that would be a really helpful thing to have further unpacked. So I thought it'd be fun to do that with you today. I could start by asking you, like, when is your birthday? Mine's June the 9th. How about you? What's your birthday? Mine's September 1st. Okay. And, and then maybe the more important question is, like, when is your rebirth day? And I don't have an exact date for mine. I can tell you that it was, you know, early in the summer of um, of 1984. But I can't tell you, like, an exact date because, you know, I wasn't keeping a digital calendar then. But my rebirth day is actually more important than my birthday, yeah, that's really a great like an observation. 
It's a great insight and a great reminder. And uh, your pastor's right. Um, God's not renovating us. He He recreates mm. us. And uh, we're not, uh, you know, um, a, um, a just a better version of ourselves or the best version of ourselves. Um, he, um, he, when he comes to dwell in us, when there's this rebirth, well, Jesus described it. And so did Paul later in, uh, in one of his letters to the Corinthians. He said that if, you know, the seed falls, grain of wheat falls, it must die in order to bear fruit. And there's this, before there's a rebirth, there's a, there's a death. There's a, a death to self, and and I believe in, from a spiritual perspective, that's a very literal death, that we die to self. And one of the things, sometimes we we um, we kind of uh, miss this, that just because it's spiritual rebirth doesn't mean it's not literal rebirth. So there's a literal, if that's a good word this morning, literal re- uh, rebirth in us, spiritually speaking. And certainly we still look the same. We still live in the same home maybe we we still have a, a similar personality but there's been a literal rebirth as we've moved from death to life as Peter said this living hope and and Paul said if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation old things pass away behold new things come uh, Jesus described this to to uh in, in to us in Gen- in uh, John chapter 3 as he speaks of you you must be born again and uh, he he walks through that with us that spiritually speaking just in the way that we were born um, you and I on our birthdays June 9th and September 1st we were also reborn spiritually in Christ I love that I'm wondering if you're listening right now and you actually know your rebirth day um I think that is something maybe as Christians we ought, we ought to begin thinking more about and asking one another about more often. Um, if I'm talking with another Christian, then we ought to be able to talk about our rebirth days. Even if we can't exactly put a date on it, we ought to be able to recall to one another um, that point in time when we gave consciously all of ourselves um, to Christ, to all of Christ that we understood, when we laid down our own life and took his up. When we became Galatians 2.20 people, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Um, so if you uh, if you know your rebirth day, why don't you uh, communicate that to me on the text line, 877-933-2484. We're talking with Pastor Daryl Crouch. We're talking about what it means to be reborn. Maybe you have a specific question related to, to being born again. Um, Oh, we've already got somebody. If I want to be born again, what do I do? All right, that's next. That's next. If you want to be born again, what do you do? That's next here on Mornings with Carmen. Listen to Faith Radio live or on demand no matter where you go. Download the free Faith Radio app at your app store today. All right, we might have to uh, add add a note in our database. We might have to start adding people's rebirth day to their file. And I am noting that your rebirth day is June the 25th, 1973. So uh, you are fast approaching the uh, 50th anniversary of your rebirth day. That is, um, that is, that is joyful news. Um, thank you to those of you texting in this morning at 877-933-2484, be encouraging one another. 
Um, with our rebirthday stories, here's another friend who says, I was a freshman in college and the Holy Spirit keeps nourishing me even today. So that was 10 years ago in this person's life. So happy 10th anniversary of your rebirthday as well. Um, Daryl, we have uh, a friend here asking, hey, if, if I want to be born again, what do I do? What a great question. What a great way Amen. to start the morning. And um, if uh, you're still listening, just be encouraged that the Holy Spirit's been working in you and has uh, prompted even that question uh, this morning. Well, Jesus said it this way, that uh, he said, for um, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, talking of himself, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Later on uh, in Romans chapter 10, uh, Paul said, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so um, that that's a promise for one. That's a that's a promise that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's also the, the process, calling on the name of the Lord. And we do that by simply, uh, we, would, we would use the term pray, that we would just, in our own heart of hearts, we say to the Lord, dear God, I love you. I know you love me, but I'm a sinner separated from you. Today, I place my faith in Jesus who died in my place and for my sin and rose from the dead, uh, I turn to him as my Lord and Savior. I call upon him to be saved, to rescue me from my sin, and uh, to have new life in Christ. Um, those aren't magical words. There's no magical prayer or special prayer. But for you to acknowledging your heart, and you can say it out loud right there where you're at as well, but uh, you can pray in your own heart and say, Dear God, I, I know you love me, but I'm a sinner. Today, I trust Jesus. And um, th there's um, sometimes there's a, you know, the, the Lord impresses us with certain feelings, but um, most of the time there's no special feelings that goes with that. We, by faith, have moved from death to life and trusting the promises of God. And so if that's you today, if you've just in your own heart of hearts called on the name of the Lord and said something similar to that, that, hey, I'm I'm a sinner, but I trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I want to follow you uh, all the days of my life, then you have moved from death to life. And today is the day of salvation. Today is your new birth day. Yeah, and, and what happens um, is kind of sometimes a follow-up question to that. And so let me just say this. Um, if you want to be born again, you actually want what God wants because God wants you to be saved. We know from 1 Timothy 2, 4, that God wants every person to be saved, to come to a knowledge of the truth. Um, you might want to read Acts chapter 16 because you're asking a question today, what must I do to be saved, that um, other people have asked throughout human history in response to evidences that God is present and and on the move and that the gospel is real and um, and so you might want to read Acts chapter 16, where you'll just you'll you'll see and hear a great story related to being born again, um, and it might answer a few other of, of the questions that you might be asking right now. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, as um, Daryl has already affirmed. And here's one other thing that's going to happen, um, because I think sometimes we imagine that we're going to feel different. Um, just know this. There will be great rejoicing in heaven. Jesus tells, tells us in Luke chapter 15 that there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents 
than over 39 righteous people um, who think they don't need repentance. And so just know this, um, you're turning to God and saying, I'm, I'm in need of what Jesus offers. And I understand um, that there's nothing that I can do to reconcile myself to you, Lord. But I accept that Jesus has done all that's necessary, that I could be reconciled to you and him, that my sins would be forgiven, that that which is drenched blood red in my life would be washed white as snow. I want that. I need that. I turn to you for it. And in the name of Jesus, um, I give all of myself that I understand to you, and I receive all of Jesus that I understand. And then trust that God's going to grow you in that by the power of the Holy Spirit and come alongside other Christians and tell them, hey, today is the day of my salvation. Um, and I want to walk with another Christian uh, into more of that. We just want to encourage you today. Um, Daryl, um, how, how do I know? How do I know that the Holy Spirit is making me new? Like, how do I know the difference between sort of contemporary self-help, slightly improved versions of myself, you know, a little bit better version of me, and a new me, a new creation me? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think we begin by saying that, um, well, in First John uh, 5, um, I think John says, um, these things I've written unto you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have um, eternal life. Uh, we know we have been moved from death to life by faith, just as you and I are speaking today. And I have faith. I can't see you, but I, I have faith. I have faith in technology. I have faith. I've placed my faith in something substantive that you and I are having this conversation. And it's um, so that that's important that we begin by saying, listen, we are we've placed our faith in someone who is uh, faithful and uh, true to do this work. So that's the beginning. I also think it's important that we know that we're not following an idea or a philosophy of life or a self-help theory. We are following a person. Um, we, are, we have entered into a relationship with the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, the ruler and creator of all that is, the sustainer of all that is. Uh, the Bible tells us that in Colossians that uh, Jesus holds all things together by the power of his might. So we are in personal relationship with a person and, and his name is Jesus. And when we are in the, when we are in a relationship with a person, we are in communion with that person. Uh, he shapes us. He is with us. Uh, the Bible tells us that when we've moved from death to life and trust Jesus as Lord, that the Holy Spirit comes to take residence up in our hearts and so in our lives. And so he is present with us. And uh, Jesus said in Matthew 28 that he would never leave us or forsake us. He wasn't speaking that he would never ascend to the Father because he has, and Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. But in his spirit, uh, he dwells within us and he is present. And so he is working to bear great fruit in our lives. And so, uh, and that is through uh, this personal relationship we have. So it's not about finding five practices to a better you or three ways to do this or seven ways to do that. It is a communion, an intimacy with Jesus. 
In John 15, Jesus said, you abide in me and my words abide in you. You will bear much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. So we are connected to the vine and through him, he produces much fruit in us. And um, as we're connected to him, he produces much fruit in us. So I think if we can remind ourselves daily that we are in relationship with a person who is alive and who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and then trust him to work out um, the fruit and the the results in our lives that he desires. And I, we just, we have a posture of surrender in that and um, a willingness to um, to be shaped and formed and to look a lot more like Jesus um, along the way. Mm. Thank you so much, Daryl. And thank you to each and every one of you texting in this morning. Um, all of the, not only the questions that you're posting, but the celebrations of rebirth. Um, what, what, a, um, what a wonderful testimony to be able to recall your rebirth day. Some of you very specifically. Um, here's a friend who says, my husband led me to the Lord in 1988. I hope every year you celebrate that um, in a very, very special way with each other. Um, wow. Uh, Jennifer's um, rebirth day uh, is June 9th. That's my birthday birthday. So awesome. there you go. And, um, and her rebirth day, she remembers because it was at a Billy Graham crusade in Minneapolis. Well, amen. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for all of these testimonies. You can continue to send them to me. I'd, I'd love that. 877-933-2484. Keep your questions coming as well. We'll um, get around to those. If we don't get around to them this morning, we will circle back around to them in the coming days. Daryl, as always, um, thank you so much for joining us. What a delight. Yeah, what a joy. Great way to start the day. God bless. Amen. Amen. If today is the day of your salvation, your rebirth day, um, we want to celebrate with you. Text me, 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. We're going down. Tons of great um, questions and observations uh, on the text line. So thank you, as always. Um, <laughs> what if I don't know when my rebirth day is? Okay, so um, I have a really dear friend who is sort of like one of the my wise counsels in the world. And um, he was making his way. He, he's been a pastor for a really long time. <clears throat> he was trying to make his way through an airport and a person um, who you know, I think probably sought to be a wonderful evangelical Christian, but kept literally like physically getting in his way and asking him this same question in kind of a loud voice and increasingly uh, so. And, you know, when were you saved? Do you know that you're saved? When were you saved? When were you saved? And finally, my friend just stopped in his tracks and said, I was saved when God conceived of me in the, uh, in the foundations before the foundations of the earth. And I was saved when Jesus my Lord and Savior, died on a hill called Calvary. And I was saved when I was a young man and uh, came to a point in my life when I recognized I couldn't do it all or handle it all, and I was broken and in need. And And I was saved this morning when I lifted up uh, a, a repentant spirit again before the Lord and acknowledged my sin and my need for my Savior. And my friend, I think I might have been saved just a minute ago when you blocked my way and I had to cry out to God not to strike you. <laughs> so I'm just saying, like, right? Um, so if you're wondering, uh, if you know that you're saved, 
I mean, you know that you are a Christian, but you don't actually have a date on the calendar that you can say, you know, I, I know that this is uh, my rebirth day. Um, just claim Easter. Just go ahead and claim Easter as your rebirth day uh, or, or any other day on the calendar that brings joy to your heart and delight to your spirit. Um, but I'd lay claim to one. Uh, I, I think that it might be healthy for us as Christians to lay claim to the reality that we are reborn. And in in the way that the world is so obsessed with birthdays and celebrating birthdays or even celebrating their whole birth month, like whatever, people are obsessed with themselves. What if we started celebrating, like really intentionally celebrating rebirth days? What if instead of, I mean, if you know your birth, if you know your rebirth day, what if you actually said to your family, you know what? My birthday is nice, but my rebirth day is so much more important to me. Could we celebrate my rebirth day instead of or in addition to my birthday? I mean, what a testimony that might be. And we'd be, you know, celebrating Christ on that day and um, what he has done and who he is. It might give us an opportunity for a witness and a testimony in the culture. I don't know. Just a thought. You know, I have thoughts. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. Next up, Mark Turman's going to join us from the Denison Forum. We're going to um, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in Haiti. Many of you have asked for an update and um, and we're going to talk with Mark about that. We're also going to, I think, a little bit as a follow-on to the conversation that we had yesterday um, with um, uh, Robert Walgamuth about the finish line and the reality that, you know, every single one of us at some point is going to die. Like, that, that is coming for each of us and all of us. And as, as Christians, it's not something that we fear, but we do think about the legacy we're going to leave behind. So um, what, uh, what might that look like to prepare for in advance? More on that next, here on Mornings with Carmen. Mark Terman is joining us. Uh, you can find Mark and lots of what he's working on at denisonforum.org. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. Great to see you this morning, or great to be with you. Great to hear it's you great. this morning. It's great to be with you as well. Um, we've had lots of folks, um, you know, ask about an, an update related to Haiti. Lots of folks have supported ministries in Haiti over the years. Many, many people have actually physically been there. Some have adopted children from Haiti. Um, I was reading Ryan's uh, piece at denisonforum.org, Haiti and Anarchy, How the Most Evangelized Realm in All the World Fell into Chaos. And I thought it might be um, helpful to just have you brief us in on um, on this. Yeah, thanks for that. It's uh, really a pretty sad story. And Dr. Ryan Denison, Dr. Jim Denison's son, does a great job of helping us to get a good snapshot of it, working through some of the writings of Andy Olson. But uh, it's really pretty sad, uh, a gang rule uh, experience now in Haiti, uh, pretty much a story of anarchy because of corruption and uh, just distrust and fear. And everybody is essentially kind of out for their own good at this point, uh, just trying to survive, which is incredibly sad when you look back over not only 100, but almost 200 years of aggressive uh, intentional missionary work trying to do good on the island of Haiti, and certainly a lot of good has been done, but to see where this country of 11.5 million people is at this point, just, you know, a few hundred yards, a few hundred miles off of our coast, and uh, a, a neighbor, a close neighbor, 
uh, somebody that we have as a nation tried to care for, um, but we need to rethink our efforts and regain a, a better footing in this place. It's, it's sad as uh, Andy Olson and Dr. Dennison point out that they're now waiting lists to get into a gang because gangs seem to be the safest haven for people to try to survive. And many others are simply trying to get out of the country. And usually that means the people who have the most means and some of the best education and some of the strongest leadership, those are the people who are trying to get out, which is going to leave the country in an even worse condition. Yeah, I appreciate um, that there are things that we do as Christians that we imagine would be helpful. Um, We imagine that we are helping. We imagine that we are doing good. And in fact, we are, um, we're not helping. Our helping is hurting, um, to borrow a phrase. Um, Dr. Olson says in this, in this piece, and again, encourage you guys to read it in its entirety at denisonforum.org, um, foreign evangelicals, that would be us. We can't end Haiti's problems, but we can stop doing our own thing. Um, this is probably a conversation, Mark, that we could uh, extend beyond the conversation related to Haiti. How do I know when I'm actually like pressing my own ideas forward or my own, you know, the things that I like or the ways that I think things should be versus actually representing God and his kingdom purposes to a person living in a different circumstance than I'm living in? Yeah, it's a big question and a difficult question. I think the first thing I would say to that, Carmen, is we have to be really honest with ourselves and ask, are we really praying and asking God to lead us for what this person or what this group or even this nation needs, not what I would want to do, what necessarily fits my gifting or my comfort level, but what is it that this situation and the people in it actually need? And then the second thing is, is obviously to be guided by Scripture. There are some things that Scripture tells us that we should contend for, for every individual. Uh, Obviously, safety, peace, security, justice, uh, the opportunity of freedom. Those things Scripture, I think, affirms in multiple different ways that these are things that are the inalienable rights uh, that were articulated in our Constitution but are biblically sound. And we need to make sure that we're operating in those areas and not in some kind of construct of goodness or uh, justice that we have created on our own, or that we perhaps enjoy because of our circumstances or because of what country we live in. We also have to realize and learn that Christianity can thrive in a lot of different cultures, and that Christian worship and that uh, expressions and pathways of discipleship don't have to look like they have looked in our own lives or in our church or in our part of the world. They can look very different from the style of music uh, to the way people dress when they come to worship, uh, the order of the worship service, and many other aspects of what we would call Christian discipleship and, and life together. We have to not impose simply our model onto those other cultures, because Christianity can thrive in a lot of different expressions. You have uh, likely been in places around the world where, you know, Christians have been contending for things that we value here in the United States, 
or that we enjoy because of our circumstances, that the people in those other places and spaces, not only do they not need, they don't want them. Um, and yet we uh, we arrive with them, we deliver them as if they are, you know, the things that will bring life and joy um, and peace. I remember um, after a trip like that to a community in Honduras, um, sitting down with one of the community leaders, um, and I could just tell by the look in her eyes that like, right, we, we had not shown up with what they needed. Um, and so I just said, you know, just, you know, tell, tell me what you're, what you're feeling. And, um, and she looked at, you know, these vacation Bible school supplies and these soccer balls and you you know, the list. And she said, we don't, we don't need these in, in Spanish through a translator. And I, um, and I said, what do you need? And, the translator, you know, she 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 had a very uh, long answer to this question, and so I'm listening to her in Spanish, and she's very animated, and um, and the translator turns to me and says, um, "Every person in this community needs a um, uh, a treatment. It, they cost one dollar per person. We can go to the pharmacy and get them because everyone here has worms in their bodies wow. from the from the river, and so that's what they needed." That that's what they needed. They needed a one one dollar per person treatment, and um, and so we were able to partner with them to accomplish that. But um, they didn't actually need us to show up. They needed our resources to show up to help them um, avail themselves of what they needed. Uh, and I learned a lot. I learned a lot from that experience and from that trip and from that woman. Um, you know, Jesus was already present. These are people, you know, that have been Christians for a long time. Um, you know, I just think that there are places and spaces where we would do better to ask the question, what do you need, than to show up imagining that we know the answer to the question in advance. Oh, absolutely. The The willingness that we would have to listen is really the greatest and perhaps the first and greatest gift we could give, right? Because it shows humility. Uh, just think of all the times that Jesus was asked questions and also the times that Jesus asked questions of others uh, to listen and to learn. And, you know, until uh, we learn that ourselves and learn that we're not coming into a place, and so many people who have been on mission trips can testify to this, that, hey, I thought I was going there to change somebody's life, to make somebody's life better. And I found out when I got to a certain place in my spirit, in my attitude on one of these trips, I was the one who was going to receive. I was the one that could learn something. I was the one that could act, was actually going to be blessed more than I was going to be able to, to offer blessing. And so much of that is just rooted in fundamental humility, and humility starts with the willingness to listen. And as you said, tell me about you and tell me how I might be able to help. Let's let's build a relationship of people of equal value and and understanding and worth. Let's not come in with a, a holier than thou, better than thou, stronger than thou kind of attitude. We may be able to have we may have something we can share, but we're not coming in from a place of superiority. Yeah, so good. Um, somebody text again. Hey, if you haven't read uh, When Helping Hurts, um, I'd suggest you do. Yes, that's where I yes. was borrowing the phrase. So yeah, certainly read. Yes. Yes. And appreciate their work. Um, all right, Mark Terman and I are going to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to reflect a little bit on legacy. We're going to reflect on legacy. When I say that word, um, what comes to mind 
What kind of legacy do you anticipate having, particularly when we talk about spiritual matters? What kind of legacy um, are you going to leave? Because at some point, we're all going to leave. We're going to talk about that as well. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. We're talking with Mark Terman from the Denison Forum. Um, Mark, at the outset of this hour, we were celebrating rebirth and being reborn in Christ, and I'm pretty sure that March is your spiritual birth month. That is correct, and mm-hmm. you know what? I'm going to claim today as the day because it's the middle of the month, and I'm not exactly sure what day it was in 1980, but it was pretty close to this day, so I'm just claiming today is my spiritual birthday, so let's have a party. Amen. Happy rebirthday. Thank you. I love yeah. that. I love that. I'm going to send you a rebirthday card. Good deal. Good deal. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. I love it. Um, a couple of days ago, um, Jim Dennison's daily article of, in part featured this William Shatner um, documentary conversation. And he he says that, you know, this is a way of reaching out after he dies. Um, people ask about legacy. There's no legacy, he says. Um, is he right? I think he's wrong, but is he right? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's kind of ironic that he starts off by saying that he doesn't believe in something called legacy, a heritage that is rooted in the past that continues to influence and hopefully bless the present and the future. But yet he's making a documentary to bless <laughs> and to connect to his grandchildren, great-grandchildren, perhaps further beyond that. So it's kind of ironic when he's saying one thing, but also doing another with a documentary. Now, let me let me tell you, I love Captain Kirk. I, I love William Shatner and has followed his career. It's just amazing, right? He's 91 years old and has had such an incredible, creative and dynamic life and is really uh, so much a favorite of so many of us. So uh, I love William Shatner and his ability, but I think on this point, he's wrong. And I think, I mean, we're talking about Jesus. What a legacy he has, right? What about all of the biblical writers from Paul, Peter, John, uh, Moses, Isaiah, all the ones that we can mention whose lives continue to impact our own. My, uh, my father died 30 years ago in April, the week of Easter, uh, on the Monday before Easter. My dad continues to influence me every day, and he's been gone 30 years. I, I think we all have a legacy and a heritage. may not be a good one always, but I think we all have one. Which leads us to a conversation about a piece that you have posted at denisonforum.org, five prayers for eulogy virtues to prepare for your funeral. And the word funeral has the word fun highlighted. Um, what, are you, what are you making an appeal for here? Well, I hope that uh, at least every Christian's funeral could be fun 
you know, some funeral funerals that I've done as a pastor are easier than others. When a person has known Christ and walked with God and served him faithfully, those funerals, while sad, are are also enormously joyful. And uh, what I was trying to get across in this is that, you know, I am going to leave one day if Jesus doesn't come back in that in the time that I'm alive. And I wanted to talk about or think about what is it that people might say at my funeral? David Brooks, the New York Times columnist, wrote an article about eight years ago called The Moral Bucket List, where he talks about eulogy virtues being those things that they're going to talk about at your funeral compared to resume virtues that are the things that you use to get a job. And, And there's this beautiful statement that I heard at a close friend's funeral that I was leading uh, you, you just have to understand people will forget what, most of what you said and most of what you did. People will never forget how you made them feel. And so I just went through and kind of thought through some of the most significant truths in scripture. And I came up with five or six things. I hope, I hope that I live in such a way that this is what they talk about at my funeral. Things like gratitude and being hopeful and being useful. Those are the things that I hope that they're funfully celebrating when it comes to my time to have a funeral. So uh, just yesterday, Mark, we talked with um, Robert Walgamuth here on the show about uh, a book that he's just written called Finish Line. And in it, he um, he has a chapter where he blesses his grandchildren, um, you know, by name, personally, um, in writing. It's very, very sweet. And it, and it totally reminded me of the William Shatner thing. Um, and yet in a very, very different way. Um, blessing them in particular going forward, not just looking looking back at things. Um, and then he does have this really nuts and bolts approach to being sure that you have asked in advance the people who, you know, will serve as your pallbearers and, you know, uh, those people who are going to stand up and bear witness and bring good words and eulogy. And he, he talks about some of the same things that you talk about here. And I just, um, I thought those two things coming forward at the same time, it was really, really helpful. There's a lot of people in the culture who um, have become more acquainted with death in the last few years. I mean, death has come to every home um, in a very, very significant way uh, over the last few years. I think that um, death draws near in ways that we had pushed it aside um, for a long, long time. Uh, could you just maybe speak a pastoral word to those who are still living in fear of death, even as, I mean, the reality is we're all approaching it. Absolutely. And just thank you for that opportunity. You know, the the fear of death is natural to us. If you are afraid of death, and I think all of us are on some level and sometimes very acutely afraid, and that's just natural because uh, we love to live and long to live. And so if you're feeling that fear of death, then um, then that's completely normal. I remember when one of my biggest spiritual mentors got cancer and shared with me, even after he was recovering, how afraid of death he was in some of those moments. So all of us are there. The Bible says that death is our final and greatest enemy. And so it is something that we should be cognizant of, aware of, something that we should be planning for, but only in the power of Christ can we be fearless toward And that's the most important thing, is to focus our hope and our faith repetitively, daily, on the promises of God, and to say, you know what? 
death is not a problem for God because of his power and because of the love that he expressed in the purpose and mission of Christ, that what we are ultimately depending on is that Jesus's loving sacrifice on the cross and the power of God in the resurrection is the thing that gives us absolute hope that we are trusting in the promises of God and that he has put eternity in our hearts and that we can not only live and will live in eternity, but we can live fully in his presence, that we can know a life beyond even the greatest and best day or days that we've had here. And that's what we're counting on. That's what Easter is all about. That's what God has promised. And I, I just, I'm thinking about how that came clearer to me recently when I was in Israel and I was in the garden tomb, which might have been Jesus's tomb, but if not, was very much like it. And just the amazing thing that that God has made a plan and a way and a path to address our greatest fear and our biggest enemy. He is going to destroy death and has destroyed death because of Jesus. And if we cling to him, we can have the absolute assurance. You know, I, I said in this in this piece, that a lot of Christians want to hear the words or hope to hear the words when they get to heaven, well done, your good and faithful servant. I hope to hear those words, but I'm wondering if the first words are going to be something like, welcome home. We've been mm. expecting you. We, we've gotten ready for you. And that kind of comes to me from John 14, when Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. In my father's house are many rooms, many mansions, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. I love that. I love that. Welcome home. Those were um, the first words that this is going to sound strange and tell you a lot about us. Um, when I met my husband for the first time face to face, those were his first two words. Wow. Welcome home. So there you go. Welcome home. Um, Mark, what a delight uh, to talk with you today. I uh, I will get your rebirthday card in the mail. Happy rebirthday right. month. Celebrating that. Um, and uh, look forward. Look forward to seeing you at home, if not before. How's that sound? Absolutely. Sounds great. Take care. Fantastic. That's Mark Terman. You can find him at denisonforum.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Wow. All right. We got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Um, text me your rebirthday um, so that we can celebrate together. 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.